our Christian community should be one that's big, inclusive and welcoming of those different to us. And I, I think all too often it isn't. Welcome to the Christian Education Podcast. My name is Paul Matthews and today I'm bringing you a discussion I had with Tim Olchin. He's the RTO Manager at Rangers Tech and we'll find out more about Rangers Tech soon enough. Now, the observant among you would have noted the new intro music. They say change is good as a holiday, and I figured, well, I'm on holiday, I might as well change it. I hope you like it, because I know I certainly do. Now, during this discussion today, Tim draws upon his wealth of educational and life experience to explore how we as Christian communities can be welcoming, inclusive, and hospitable through language learning. In this case, specifically through learning Auslan. This conversation is based on his article in the May edition of the Christian Teachers Journal. But fret not, my friend, if you do not have a copy of that fine publication. We've worked pretty hard to make sure this conversation stands on its own two feet. Now, it's a natural human tendency to get comfortable and insulated in our own little bubbles, isn't it? And as you listen to this discussion, I hope you hear the clear call from Tim to expand our networks of hospitality and welcome others working hard to overcome hurdles that may stand in the way of our relationships. Now, Tim and I prayed for you before we started. We asked God that regardless of our position in life, we would take great pains to welcome and include those around us. And the Christian schools would actually be renowned for their desire to love others practically. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and share it with those who you think would benefit from it. That actually helps me probably more than you think. Well, Tim Olchin, welcome to the Christian Education Podcast. Thanks, mate. It's lovely to be here. So let's let's wind back the clock here, Tim. Why don't you tell us all, before we get into the meat of our discussion, how did you get into the education space and what have been some of the highlights of your career so far? Uh, yeah, look, great question, really. Um, it's one of those things that you, as you look back over your life, you go, ah. Oh, I wonder why that happened. And then you go, oh, yeah, look, a few years down the track, this happened. And and God has a, a remarkable way of, of bringing things together that seem disparate and working them together into something that's an amazing synergy that you never had thought might occur. Um, I guess for me, the starting point was uh, my father was a, a minister, Anglican minister. Um, he was very much into friendship evangelism is what he called it. Um, and he uh, was very much about a, a faith that's real, that is contextual, that works. Um, and so our you know, Sunday evening and lunchtime discussions and mealtime discussions were um, salted with that sort of stuff about how did faith actually work. And I guess in a way um, that probably set me up to be thinking about how do I actually um, communicate in a way that's helpful. Um, I, he died when I was 18. I was uh, just starting my secondary teaching degree um, and I was typical adolescent boy, really very self-focused and I, <laughs> I didn't know him very well. Mm. So what's been lovely over years to come has been meeting people. Um, he lectured at Ridley College, which is the Anglican um, uh, seminary, oh, whatever you call it, seminary thingy here. 
Um, and many people have come up and, and just related stories of him and his wisdom and his uh, gentleness. And that's been lovely to hear. Um, so I'm, I moved into secondary teaching. <laughs> Look, it was really a... I don't know what the heck I want to do, but secondary teaching is a good place to start to learn probably a lot about yourself and other people as well, um, teaching in general, not just secondary. I probably did that for uh, six years, I think, um, and then moved into postgraduate degree in instructional design, so the design of training. Um, and being able to both train and design training is um, obviously a benefit in both spheres because you have an understanding that you wouldn't have otherwise, I think. Um, and so I did uh, just corporate training, uh, worked for Telstra like most people seem to do at some point in their lives. <laughs> That's true, mate. Well, I work for the enemy. I work for Vodafone for a oh, season. Yeah. So, so um, I'm, I'm sure we can still be brothers in Christ despite the bitter difference we may have there. Yeah, look, I'll pray for you, brother, and <laughs> <laughs> we'll go there. Um, yeah, so just worked in that uh, fairly oh, soulless, I guess, in some ways. We then went overseas for a couple of years um, with Tier Fund uh, Australia, as it's now called, in India. And um, I did a fair bit of work with um, training in the organisation that we were helping. They were um, a, a key organisation in the southeast of India, did a lot of training in churches. Um, and so teaching people from a different culture um, how to train people from their culture was a really interesting thought process. The similarities in that and, and the differences. Um, and then coming back from there, just thinking, oh, what the heck can I do that's hopeful and life-giving and, um, you know, that that's going to have more meaning to it. Um, and then God drew my wife, who was doing master's studies at that point, um, with another lady at the course, the other lady was the principal of Rangers Tech, where I now work, uh, and they sort of started discussions. Uh, the then director pricked up her ears about the uh, design of instruction, and I started there in, uh, 11 years ago, 11 and a bit years ago now. Um, and that's just been such a hopeful, um, contextual and, and relevant place uh, in terms of training uh, young people who really have had not a good experience of school and has made them feel dumb for the most part um, and they've learned how to avoid and not own stuff and, and end up in a space where they self-medicate um, in some ways or really don't feel good about themselves. So to be able to be in a place like that and um, help out training of them, pre-apprenticeship training to be done in a way that is um, broader than just the skills that they get. Um, long answer, short question. Um, so yeah, a variety of highlights, but again, as I said, that the notion of God calling us through a variety of different experiences to a, a synergy that's far greater than we might have anticipated. And that's an amazing insight into God's sovereignty, isn't it? It's it's funny it's funny how sometimes 
Um, when we're talking about God's sovereignty, we're saying, yes, he's in control. He's directing and disposing all things according to the counsel of his will. But it's not like we're just um, going along blindly saying, oh, I wonder why I'm doing this. But I tell you what, Tim, there have been some times in my life where I feel like I kind of have been going along blindly going, I wonder why I'm doing this. And only 10, 15, 20 years down the track, you go, wow, well, that was a marvelous plan. And I am not the author of it. You know, it's all, it's all conspired in this magnificent rich tapestry and I had no idea what was being woven together throughout the years. And so just to circle back, you're talking about Rangers Tech. So that's a, if I understand rightly, a college specifically aimed at vocational training, is that correct? Yes, it is. That's right. We are a campus of Mount Evelyn Christian School. Um, We were set up uh, 10 years ago, just over 10 years now, by a collection of three schools all Christian schools, who really thought we, we have to do something for those students who are not textual learners, who are much more relationship learners, um, very hands-on, very clever in their own ways, but not identified, not um, being able to engage, be engaged in the way that other students would have done. So we have um, a range of trades that we do at the moment. Uh, Auslan, which we're going to talk about in a minute, is the newest of those. Um, But the others uh, range from hospitality through to horticulture. We have a farm site as well as uh, four factory sites. Um, And so engineering, sheet metal, uh, furniture making, building and construction. The, The students actually build a house at the farm and then take it down again. So all pre-apprenticeship and and therefore in that space, learning how to be a good tradesman. What does that actually mean? What does it mean to be a good man? What does it mean to be a good woman? Um, Obviously, a lot of those heavier trades are male heavy, but um, there's certainly uh, lots of girls who are really keen on that space and and becoming more so, which is great. yeah. That is fantastic. It's funny, I was talking to Roger Fernando oh, at yes. the beginning of this year, and you'd know him well. He's a Mex old-timer. And one of the things that he said was that we at Mex believe that education is for all image bearers. All right, If you fall into that category, and we all do, then education is for you. It's not just if you're in the top quartile of intelligent people, and that's something that really seems to be lived out at Mex. So that's very impressive. Now, as you said, we're going to talk about Auslan today. So you, Tim, have written an article for the May edition of the Christian Teachers Journal. And the title is Auslan as an entree into a bigger, more inclusive world. So two quick things. First of all, for those out of the loop, what exactly is Auslan? And secondly, can you perhaps give us the bottom line? What's the main thesis of your article in a nutshell? Yep, no worries. Look, Auslan is uh, Australian Sign Language. So that's the language of the deaf community in Australia. Uh, Many countries have their own versions of that. Uh, There are some crossovers. I, in one of my other bits of life, I'm a scout leader. One of my assistant scout leaders um, is partially deaf and she came from England. So she has her own um, English Sign Language and... There's a, yeah, apparently a few differences between those. Um, uh, look, I guess for us, um, 
the reason why we decided to go down that route was, again, one of those God things. One of our teachers had been a teacher at a deaf facility and thought, look, this would be so good in our relationship driven space to be able to do this, to be able to engage with a different cohort uh, than what we had previously. Um, And I guess, look, in relation to the article, the main guts of it is that I think our Christian community should be one that's big, inclusive and welcoming of those different to us. And I, I think all too often it isn't for a whole variety of reasons. Um, we're not actually really good at stopping to hear what's being said by others. Um, and that's often about our, our need for control uh, which I'm not entirely sure is a biblical precept. In fact, I'm sure it's not. Um, so I, I think learning Auslan can be part of us learning to relinquish that need for control. Um, it's about putting the interests of deaf people before ours. Um, and then I guess the flow on from that, that process um, is probably going to start freeing us from the shackles of our current thought patterns about parameters and boundaries Um, in the way that we see the world and and interact with the people in it. The Christian Education Podcast is brought to you by Teaching in Tassie. At Christian Education National Schools in Tassie, you can make a difference. You have the freedom to express your faith and values, of course with Jesus right at the centre. Tasmania's beautiful environment has space to breathe. We have amazing food and wine, wilderness to explore, There's an adventure right on your doorstep. There are endless opportunities. I've got to tell you, it's almost perfect. To sign up or learn more, visit teachingintassie.com.au and you'll be the first to know when there's a career available. Who knows? It may just have your name on it. Let's get back to the discussion. So you talk in your article about the importance of relationships. And I think that's really important not only on a practical level we all know that relationships are important but on a theological level too we know that uh, we understand god as the trinity it's father son and holy spirit so they've actually been in a co-eternal relationship forever an intra-trinitarian relationship and we know that we as humans having actually been made in god's image as we spoke about just before well, we are actually called to be in relationship, aren't we? Relationship with, with God, with nature around us, and with each other. Um, central to our theology is also the idea, however, that because of what our first parents, because of what Adam and Eve did, actually those relationships that we have with each other, with nature, with God, they've been fractured, uh, and they're in need of repair. So the question here is then, how does something like learning another language Help us restore, help us repair those fractured relationships. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think that's a, a good one and uh, in some ways seems a little out of left field uh, initially, but I think in reality um, we all have this remarkable propensity to fracture relationships as we do life. We, we find creative and not-so-creative ways to do it all the time. Um, and... I, I think as as we grow, uh, hopefully we move from learning about ourselves and how we function in the world to a broader understanding of connectedness and relationship uh, and the fact that our world was created in and through those things. Um, 
hopefully as we do that we note the basis, the framework and meaning that is God and that that is the thing that provides a security in our own God-given worth and therefore an ability to step outside ourselves and our own discomfort. Um, And I think the process of learning a relational language has the potential to get us outside our own heads for long enough to see the beauty of that connected relational world which reflects in small part the heaven that we actually yearn for. That's absolutely spot on. I couldn't agree with you more there. So language learning, you're saying, allows us to relate to those with uh, those from whom we would otherwise be alienated. Now, that's language learning in general. Do you think that's true for every language equally? Or do you think Auslan actually offers us a special opportunity here? Might it be a really high-value proposition when it comes to relating to other people? Yeah, look, I think um, language learning is great for getting an insight into culture and all sorts of things. Um, I think for me, uh, the, the thing about Auslan is that it's a very relational language that engages a number of senses at once in a different way than verbal languages um, do that we're used to. Um, I think it, it because it engages more of our being, in a sense, um, it, it actually opens us up to the use of more senses in broadening our thinking about other interactions and other perspectives on the world. Um, obviously with people, but, um, you know, hopefully more broad than that. I, I think our God is a big God. All too often we try and squash him into our perspectives rather than marvelling at the spectrum, the breadth and the wonder of his many facets and engagements with people. It's great that this language allows us to pull in those who might be on the outer. And i got to tell you, Tim, after we had our preliminary discussions and you agreed to come on this podcast, something kind of funny happened. So I completely lost my voice. Like, it just cooked itself. And I was, I was thinking about this article and, and about our discussion, but i got to tell you, my, my heart was in this discussion far more, having actually lost my voice and been on the outer. Now, of course, I could still hear. I wasn't deaf, but there was a deficit of, of understanding or comprehension because I couldn't make myself understood. Either I was trying to carry around a piece of A4 paper and write stuff down with a pen, which was long and slow and imprecise, or I was trying to squeak out, and I knew that would only hurt my voice more. And that actually had some really interesting consequences. That mean that meant I would go to the staff room when I knew people wouldn't be there. Not when I knew that they would be there, like I normally do, so I can catch a few people and say good day. I started excluding myself from those sorts of situations, putting myself on the outer, on the perimeter. So my heart is well and truly in this discussion now because I've just had a very brief taste of what it's like to have a barrier for communication. So you're saying that Auslan here is actually allowing us to remove um, that barrier, which is really, really exciting for me. Now, you've made some big claims about us being able to relate to deaf com- the deaf community well. Um, this, however, is the day and the age of the big claim, whether it's you know six-minute abs or earn $10 million in cryptocurrency or whatever. A lot of these claims are just unproven uh, and perhaps even unprovable. So can you actually give us a quick snapshot of the data here 
in this field. You've done some good research. What do deaf uh, or hearing impaired students actually stand to gain if we can use sign language to relate to them? Yeah, look, a, a bit of a caveat here. Uh, I'm not a doctor as yet, and I haven't done huge amounts of study in this field. Um, however, it was interesting having a, a look through and, and finding a couple of interesting snippets. Um, I, I won't go into the the depth of all of it, but um, a couple of really interesting things. There was a, a 2019 study about the use of cochlear implants, so bionic ears, and um, the use of those within um, deaf children. Um, a lot of the use of those things had been that the bionic ear would be sufficient. They wouldn't need to learn a sign language and they wouldn't need to learn another way of communicating because the bionic ear would be sufficient for them. Um, but the research indicated that the children who had a cochlear implant but didn't learn signing, um, their language outcomes were really very variable indeed. Some were okay, some were really not okay. And in general, um, their language skills ended up being considerably worse than those of their peers who had a cochlear implant and had learned sign language. And now I guess, you know, there's a whole lot of other benefits that come, neurocognitive benefits um, that come with learning languages, a lot of social skills, a lot of other brain development, um, so that they really were um, quite concerned that that language deprivation within the first uh, five years of life um, had fairly significant developmental delays in terms of their education um, as well as their language. Uh, a couple of other little bits of research. There was a, a 2017 uh, summary of a number of um, papers, uh, and these are mainly US related, um, but there are you know strong relationships there. Um, their comment was that if people are able to develop connections through language and similar, um, then you end up with far more psychosocial well-being. Now, that may seem obvious, um, but it was a very clear um, contrast between those who really had isolated themselves, as you suggested before, and those who were engaged. You may be sort of hearing in the back of your head some sort of interaction between our COVID responses and the impacts that are now going forward because of that isolation. Um, and there are some interesting parallels, I think. Um, 2019, uh, there was another summary paper, but some really interesting outcomes, noting that the communication that was able to be encouraged through sign language uh, produced four key things. Positive relationships um, were strengthened identity was strengthened um, and increased ability to recognize different thoughts and emotions so key to emotional intelligence 
development of complex linguistic and social skills. So um, getting into society, how does that actually work for them? And then meaningful participation in education and workplace. And you can imagine, as you said before, if you've lost your voice, that there's a whole sort of array of things that you either don't want to or can't be involved in. Don't want to because it's it might be a bit embarrassing or or whatever, um, stigma-related stuff. But, yeah, really interesting um, outcomes of research. And as I said, look, I think particularly those last four, all of those things, I think um, we could well do with them in society in general rather than just the deaf community. And for me, you've just made the case as to why this might be a higher value proposition for a Christian community than merely learning German or French or Indonesian. Because while we extend our own mind and while we're able to expand our horizons by learning about a different community through understanding their language, actually you're saying we're doing all those same things with Auslan with the additional benefit of those people who we're communicating with having huge benefits there too. I mean, if I can't speak French to a Frenchman, well, I won't be able to order my baguette or my espresso, and I'll be a little bit worse off. But they'll be fine. They're talking French all day to their French mates, and there's a whole country and many others besides. But we're not actually seeing that same kind of density among the deaf community. They're in many ways still within a society that might struggle to relate to them. So I think you've made a very clear case, actually, there, Tim, that this in terms of hospitality, in terms of sort of welcoming the outsider, this is a fantastic high-value proposition for a school. It can, however, be quite daunting, I think, because learning a language is an incredibly tough task. It's a tall order. Um, I think, however, in studying the way my brother has been learning New Testament Greek. So the, I've got three younger brothers. Um, the one of them that isn't a teacher is actually at Bible college. So he's going to teach the Bible and I'm sort of going to claim him as an educator anyway. Uh, he actually says it's tough because there are about 5,500 Greek words in the New Testament. But actually, if you learn just 300 of those, well, you can read 80% of the New Testament. Is, is that similar to Auslan, Tim? Are we likely to see some really r- tangible, quick benefits in terms of our ability to relate to deaf people if we just begin learning Auslan? Yeah, look, a really interesting question again. Thank you. Um, it, it's uh, interesting in, in discussions with our Auslan teacher that the methodology of teaching Auslan has changed uh, over the last couple of years and what there is now is rather than learning all of the finger-signed alphabet, you tend to start with what are called depicting signs and constructed actions. And those are signs that enable you to get across um, a sense of something rather than individual words. And what that means is that you can actually have a conversation far more quickly than trying to remember what P was or, or whatever in the middle of your word. Um, and a testament to that was, um, as I mentioned before, this is our first year of teaching. Uh, we are um, not quite halfway into the year. They, they went on an excursion, the Auslan class, and the teacher noted that they 
were really um, much more able to communicate, even after you know a number of three months or so of um, learning these depicting signs and constructed actions as well as some of the finger spelling stuff but they were able to have conversations and she said previously that wouldn't have been the case because people would have been stuck on you know what is q or what is whatever um so yeah interesting question and and i think um far more so now is the short answer to that that's really exciting. Now, let me put you on the spot here, Tim. Mm-hmm. Have you dipped your toe in this pool? Have you had a crack at learning some Auslan? Uh, look, I have. I, I learnt that there is not much difference between the sign for thank you and a very rude sign. <laughs> so that uh, is about the extent of it thus far. Um, as the, the manager of the RTO there, I do drop in on all of our vocational um, courses every now and then just to see how they're going and, and just to see uh, the interaction. Um, we're actually running this year not a school student only course, which we will next year, but as well as that, a community course. So there's some parents and kids Um, the kids are are deaf and the parents are wanting to learn Auslan to be able to uh, communicate better with them. Um, Some teachers who are, uh, who've been given as part of their load um, an Auslan course, these are are primary teachers Mm -hmm. and have had nothing to do with it before. So they're sort of a a little bit bemused. Um, But just the, the engagement and the interaction between the students has just been a wonderful thing to see. But unfortunately, my Auslan is not great. <laughs> hey, that, that's just fine. And I think there's a beauty to that, isn't there? Because if you're, um, if you're expecting people who can't communicate very well, so they've got a lot of barriers to communication, if, if you're expecting them to come to your turf, well, what are they going to do? They're going to perhaps feel a little bit embarrassed. But if you're going onto their turf, if you're trying to sign and you just look like a goose, you make a real fool of yourself. Well, I think that's something that's only going to endear the two communities to each other. We're actually having a crack and being vulnerable ourselves. So I think, Tim, hopefully, um, aside from like wildly offending anyone that you were trying to sign to, hopefully you've, you've actually endeared yourself to them. So that's, look, that's a really good thing to do. Let's, let's wrap up here with one final question. Um, you are running Auslan at Rangers Tech, and you're not the only ones in Australia. There's actually a bunch of places where you can learn Auslan here. One of the old truths of education, however, is that there is no what we might call worldview neutrality. Every school, in some ways, is a religious school, isn't it? Because every school has got to answer the big questions, the big questions of, you know, who are we? Where are we? What is this earth? You know, what's gone wrong with it? Why is there so much obvious pain and suffering? And, and how do we fix it? Every school has a set of religious beliefs, whether expressed or implied, whether they're codified or they're just, you know, assumed. So how has your Christian worldview at Rangers Tech informed the way you teach Auslan? Yeah, great question. And, and I think one that we um, have been working through, you know, as most Christian schools do, um, 
It's an interesting space teaching in a, a trade-based environment that is a little bit different. Um, we have a number of our students who are with us full-time and therefore, you know, we have um, discussions uh, about um, those sort of life issues. What does it mean to be a good man, whatever else? Um the majority of our students, however, uh, no, that's not true, not the majority, but probably half of our students are those who come in from other schools or other locations for a single VET subject, um, you know, certificate in Auslan or whatever it might be. And um, some of our students are short course students, so we provide first aid training. We do quite a few schools. Um, and we do youth mental health first aid training. Again, quite a few schools, public um, courses, other short courses. And the discussion about how you are able to make a connection or provide a um, an entree into an area that is um, kingdom ordered, that is based around Christian principles and that has that as the basis rather than merely just going through the book Um, and you know whether that's uh, a course that's four hours long or whether that's a longer course um, trying to work out what is it that we believe in and how does that fit in this space some other things that we've um, reflected on recently have been about um in first aid scenarios, um, probably more particularly, talking about the fact that we're actually not alone, that we walk with God through traumatic circumstances, that he's there supporting. Um, uh, More broadly, the notion that um, everybody is worthy regardless, Um, that we are image bearers, as you mentioned before. That is why we are important. Um, I think having in Auslan terms talking about how we engage with people in a way that is enabling of them, that is with their best in mind, best interests in mind, because they too are are worthy. Um, Trying to link everything to the fact that we live in a a world that is created, uh, albeit broken at the moment, um, but it, it doesn't exist in isolation. We're not just text talking from a textbook. We're relating it to life in general and God-given life at that. Um, and probably within that space, making sure that we engage with learners' experiences. So it's not just about an expert idiot mentality where somebody's up the front, but it's very much about uh, let's learn together. Um, and that notion of sharing a journey, um, walking beside, all of those sort of things in the the framework. And I think part of that is that we don't shy away from difficult circumstances. And I think, you know, that's easy to to relate to in terms of first aid and youth mental health first aid. But... Um, I think 
in Auslan talking about discrimination and how that occurs, um, those sorts of issues are real and um, are experienced by a lot of people, unfortunately. I think um, probably at the the base of it all um, is the notion that while things are difficult and while we might make mistakes and while it might be stressful, um, that actually things are going to be okay, even though they might be painful, even though we might walk through discomfort. Um, because we have somebody in charge because we are in good hands um, at the end of the day. Well, you've done really well there, Tim, weaving those biblical threads throughout your practice. I often find that's something that's really hard to do, especially if I'm running a course for the first time. I'm running um, a brand new course this year. It's in year 10. It's about business and commerce, as well as politics and civics. And I tell you, I often find that actually when I'm teaching something for the third or fourth year, that's when those worldview connections really start to mature and percolate through my own thinking, and then I can make them really obvious and um, draw them out for my students. But it sounds like you've actually been very proactive in placing those threads throughout your Auslan course and throughout all your courses at Rangers Tech. Is that something that you have a fair bit to do with yourself? So you were involved in those discussions, drawing out those biblical threads and running them through the course? Yeah, look, I, you know, I, I think for us it's um, it's part of our Christian community. As we do school together, we are a strong community together. We do devotions together in the morning. Um, uh, as we interact with people um, who are doing our training uh, for us on a sessional basis, those sort of things are are explicit. Um, I think probably also that the notion that we're not um, so precious about it um, that we are saying, well, if we don't tell them, nothing's going to happen. There's an element of faith in the fact that God is going to use what he's said and then progress it in their life as they are open and, and available um yeah so there's a there's a humility in that side of things too absolutely that's one of the things that i think if we're not careful can lead us to an early grave or at least an early retirement is thinking if if i don't cram this all in there then these guys um their blood is on my hands so to speak and that's where trusting in a big god a god who's got it all under control as we talked about with our various paths into education as we've seen so many times as every believer has seen um, God's, God's got it under control. Of course, we want to work out what he has worked into us, but thank, thank God that he can draw a, a straight line with a crooked stick. Absolutely. Better than me having to try and do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, Tim, it has been an absolute delight talking to you today. Uh, I really look forward to reading your uh, article in the May edition of the Christian Teachers Journal, and I wish you all the best for the rest of 2023. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time.